A diamond has long been a symbol of commitment, love, and trust. Isn't it time the diamond industry showed us the same values behind the scenes? Clean Origin is leading the engagement ring industry toward a brighter future, designing elegant lab-grown diamond fine jewelry that never compromises our values. A brand that doesn't just talk the talk, but one that was founded to make a difference, to offer a more environmentally friendly, conflict-free, and price-accessible choice without any compromises on quality. Lab diamonds are grown in a lab using cutting-edge technology that replicates the process of natural diamonds. A lab-grown diamond is chemically, physically, and visually identical to a mined diamond without the adverse effects of traditional diamond mining. And for a price of up to 10 times less, we don't know why you'd choose anything else. You know, I'm a Sag. I'm always going to say bigger is better. And with these prices, three carats is the new one carat, baby. Go big. Honestly, five carats is the new three carats if you really want to go there. You all know that we know a thing or two about engagement rings. And these clean origin rings are simply stunning, classic designs, and for a fraction of the price. From the color of your metal to the center stone and setting, you'll be able to customize every aspect of this very important lifetime piece of jewelry. Whether you're looking for an engagement ring or tennis bracelet or diamond stud earrings, Clean Origin has beautiful diamond jewelry that you'll be wearing forever. You can use code What's Your Sign for $100 off all orders over $1,000. That's $100 off all orders over $1,000. Go to cleanorigin.com and use our code What's Your Sign at checkout for $100 off of your order of $1,000 or more. Use our promo code What's Your Sign, all spelled out. Check out Clean Origin today. What's up, signers? We have a very special crossover episode for you this week. We were joined by our dear friend, uh, comedian, writer, producer, and Taylor Swift expert, uh, en- enthusiast, uh, s- scholar, I would say, Ellie McElvain, uh, who hosts a phenomenal podcast called What's Your Favorite Taylor Swift Song? Uh, we get into it today. If you if if you're an Astrohead Swifty, just buckle up because this is truly you're about to get schooled. The knowledge that is dropped just for the real heads. I mean, I love I love a woman obsessed and I love a woman with facts. And Ellie is the real go to source. So if you love Taylor Swift and love this episode, please go check out her podcast. Ellie is a staple of the LA comedy community. She is a dear friend of ours, and I don't know. She threw the best podcast launch party I've been to in maybe ever, maybe decades, you know. So um, tune in, become a fan, come to the event, come to the things, and uh, yeah, dig in. It was so, it was reminiscent to me of our our meetup of just like that thing of meeting people that you that are fans and there was so many fun Taylor Swift group people there that it just made me so happy that uh, the internet exists and that communities like this uh, exist. So it was so fun to team up with Ellie for this episode. We had an absolute blast. Please subscribe, like, share, rate, and review. What's your favorite Taylor Swift song with Ellie McElvain and enjoy this week's episode. Friends with attitudes, selfish and lazy. 
Welcome to What's Your Sign. I'm Julia Loken. I'm Stevie Anderson. I'm Lisa Chanu. And today we are joined by a very special guest, comedian, writer, producer, but today the most important role, per- perhaps of her life, um, true Swifty scholar and host of What's Your Favorite Taylor Swift Song? It's Ellie McIlvain. Oh, wow. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. I I do feel like most of my life has been leading up to me launching a podcast about Taylor Swift. Yeah. Um, Nothing has felt more right to me in my journey. (laughs) (laughs) Artistically, emotionally, personally, uh, this is all what it's been for. When it's right, it's right. Mm -hmm. I think that's a very like Taylor. I don't know. It's all been leading to this, you know, storybook ending of not ending beginning, really beginning, really reimagination, even with all the re like, it's just, it's Taylor's time and it's Taylor's time. time. It's Taylor's version, Ellie's version. Yeah. Yeah. And you think about it too. If you would have been doing this, you know, I feel like what better time to be revisiting? She is revisiting her her own songs. So what better time to have this robust kind of conversation happening when we can also be hearing her songs the way she really wants us to hear them? Yeah. And I mean, I think ideally Taylor Swift would have no problem with us hearing those songs in their original recording. But, you know, that's the music industry and it's psycho. And I mean, I feel like like swaths of teenage girls or 20 something girls have learned what masters versus recordings are because Taylor Swift made a big deal about it. And I don't think any of us would have known this sort of inside baseball music industry stuff if she wasn't um, making it a whole thing. And it's brilliant and it's cool. And what's interesting is that I wanted to do this podcast for a long time. And then she really, she like sort of surprise released an album, um, folklore and I was just like oh shit I haven't gotten my shit together to be ready for this moment in time but with Taylor she's kind of evergreen so but the moment in time now felt like once she released the red re-release I was like I gotta have it up and running to be in conjunction with that so yeah hell yeah I I hadn't thought about that of that being kind of 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 her being a a revealer of industry secrets in a lot of ways that like, obviously we are, we think of her in the kind of like gossipy way because she's always kind of telling, uh, you know, talking, not, not, not by name necessarily, but I mean, some things are pretty by a name. So I was like, I know, I know every pretty I feel like, by name, dear John, dear John style. Hello. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. but I do think that that's an interesting uh, addition of it also being like the mechanic, like the mechanics of the music industry, not just like the people in it and the celebrity people, but also these other kind of just like power dynamics and how much that is, um, uh, yeah, a, a signature of hers. Well, another thing I think that one thing I would say, and maybe this comes from you know starting her music career so young, um. I would say it's certainly with like the re-releases, the Taylor's version re-releases, there seems to be a level of she's been underestimated by the industry and what her fans will and won't do for her. 
how these things will and won't be sold, how, you know, how much money these things will be making. And I think that it probably comes from, you know, starting a country music career as what, like a 14, 15 year old Mm -hmm. and people just thinking you're, which everyone does to like women of that age, right? People just think you don't know how you feel. You don't know what you're talking about. It's absolutely not true. But most women, I think that age are underestimated in a lot of ways. And it seems like she's really found a way to kind of put that to use. She has so much cardinal energy in her chart. And then she has this mutable Sagittarius sun. I think that just sorry to jump right into the astrology. No, please. Just mutating (laughs) that like fiery cardinal energy. Like, yeah, I just think that it's brilliant. Like she really has figured out a way to be like, "Mm, okay, you underestimate Lee me like let's see how I can make that work to my advantage Mm -hmm. I mean also maybe it's because I've been I've been home and like watching SNL and shit with family and she was just on SNL you know did the 10 minute uh 10 minute song and I'm just like I'm just watching like parent commentary of like what we last remember and like a more general pop spheric sort of sense of Taylor and just even hearing my parents be like Oh, it's always about those boys and always about this. And I was like, hold on, we're having a bimbo summit renaissance right now. Brittany is freed. Like they're like Paris is getting married. Like we, everyone talks about relationships. Why do we focus in on her talking about her relationships, which is what we're writing music about people. It's love songs. It's breakup songs. So I think there's also this astrologically, it makes sense in a lot of ways for Taylor's chart, but also in the astrology of now too, with I'm just thinking coming off these years ago, the cancer Capricorn eclipses, then moving into this more just change in thinking. And even just how we're talking about like women, I don't know. I've just been thinking a lot on this Taylor of the now, because it's not like she's doing things too radically, even different. It's just, it's like change your fucking perspective and get up to speed and stop being basically being a misogynistic asshole. The fact that she's talking about relationships. I was so shocked that the discourse happened again with the red re-release that happened stereotypically during the first go rounds um, for so much of her career. And then she did blank space on 1989, which was making fun of these people saying, oh, she's got a new boy every week, but she can't keep them or whatever, Um, that she's obsessed with with boys and stuff like that. And it's like, I, I mean, I tweeted something to this effect, but I was like, I was like, I can't believe Paul McCartney is still performing songs about relationships that ended years ago. Like that's what these people <laughs> right. sound like. It's, it's, I mean, it's just showing your ass. It's just showing true bias. It's fucking stupid. It's so fucking played out. So wait, what do you mean by like the astrology of now? Like the thing that's happening right now? What did you mean by that? Well, I mean, I'm just thinking of it correlating with Taylor's chart. Cause she's just so Saturnian and we have this, we just had this Saturn Capricorn, you know, the last few years, and now we've been Saturn Aquarius time. And I feel like it's just real like time rules regulation. And it's a lot of this has happened and has just recently happened in Taylor's second house. And I was reading this Alice uh, Sparkly Cat article, former past guest on um, the second house in general about like control, basically. And I I think there is this new redefinition of the control of obviously her music went a very literal masters money sort of sense, but also just of the control of the story. It is played out to be like, she just talks about relationships. But like I, I do think we should say for both your listener and ours, because people <laughs> may not have her chart. She yes. is a Sagittarius sun. She is a Scorpio rising. 
a -hmm. cancer moon and has five planets it looks like in oh no four in capricorn but five in that second house. in that second house and so, that venus is one degree it's one degree aquarius. Aquarius. so it's like get right. give me a break i'm sorry <laughs> what does that mean venus is one degree aquarius okay let me okay let me as the not not a pushback i do think i am most interested i think about this taylor re-release and this has really given me a, a re I feel like I am re-evaluating her and getting to hear this thing because I do think that some of that criticism is valid because not because she is singing about relationships, but she is never, for someone as obsessed with power and determined to have it, I think she is rarely in a position of power in her songs and is not ever, is rarely singing from the point of the um, desirer of the thing. It's always as this object the other way and I think that there's something that is that's not her fault and we shouldn't we shouldn't criticize her for that but I think it makes it harder we don't like um that doesn't make us feel empowered it makes us feel it makes us feel uncomfortable it makes us feel kind of like that part of us that's really tender and um is kind of because she has Mars right on the ascendant and that's very pokey that's like literal sharp it's the male symbol that like Mars is like cutting and aggressive and those things. And I think that that's really interesting. That play of it being kind of, I don't know, not, she doesn't have Venus there. That's like, I'm singing about love. She's singing about the kind of Marsy sharp parts of love yeah. um, that I think are harder to, I don't know that we don't like to take ownership in ourselves of, or that we don't like, um, it's harder to be, like I said, not empowered actually, but like for us to feel like, oh, I love that love songs, like Paul McCartney love songs are ones that everyone wants to sing along to and likes to say, oh, this is about me. This is about this. No one wants to be the subject of a Taylor Swift song because they're Marzi. <laughs> like, uh, yes. I love that. I love that take on it. And like, obviously, okay. I'm just going to say, I love someone pushing back on, on, like a Taylor opinion. I really appreciate it. I do have to say that I think the overall, um, like brushing it as if she's not often in a position of power. In fact, if you engage with her full discography and the deep cuts and the album cuts, I'm obviously obsessive and I've listened to it all. Um, I'm pretty sure there's a flavor for every every mood every emotion every positioning but on the whole I will absolutely give you and I love that take that it's Marzi it's spiky it's angry or it's frustrated or it's lost um she's often she's often taking the power back by writing the song there's sure. usually a metatextual element of I didn't get to say to you what I wanted to in that moment um but here it is now and this is me um at my sharpest, at my spikiest, at, at my angriest, at my saddest, at my most resolved in my own brain of the way that I want the narrative to feel. Yes. And I think that that is a, in hearing her versions of things and thinking about her as a, again, that might not be a fair, that might be more of a cultural attitudes around her too kind of thing. That's again, not her, her own uh, thing, but I, I like that now, as I'm saying that, or like thinking of it being yeah. a thing that would also make people the same way that we don't like watching like junior high stuff because it makes us go like, oh my God, that time, uh, like it's such a, uh, you're inside out 
kind of uh, feeling where you're like, God, don't say, don't talk about that stuff. <laughs> like, yeah, it's interesting. There's a song from the vault on the red re-release called I bet you think about me and it's, yes. it's, it's fun. It's country. Chris Stapleton features on it and background vocals basically. But um, you know, and in the song, it's like, I bet you think about me. And it's, and like, it's, it's this real, like, like kind of kissed off song about this person who who I, I think there was a line that's like Beverly I'm, Hills I'm harder to forget than I was to leave oh yeah um and what I love about that song is like if you look at it on the whole the fact that she's writing the song means she's thinking about the subject and she's then putting that type of hang up thought process looking back yearning whatever onto the subject to take the power back even though she thinks about these things all the time I just have a question that it's kind of tangential. So maybe, I don't know if this will be clarifying or make things murkier. Um, I wonder how you guys feel about the Bechdel test. I find that while it is, you know, useful in analyzing film, the Bechdel test, for those of you who don't know, it's a, it's a way of measuring how, I guess, feminist uh, work of film could be whether it features two women talking about anything but a man and usually if the characters have names. I find that while it may be useful, I find that it doesn't analyze the patriarchal part. So we're not analyzing the way men are talking about women. We're not analyzing, you know, the way, you know, maybe uh, grandparents or parents and a male, female, like, conversation is speaking about women and to me that like puts us in this position of women having to check each other on who's the most like better or something like I just I don't like the idea that the way women speak to each other whether it's about relationships or about what like I I don't like the idea that the onus is on us where it's like clearly society has put us in the position of like less quote-unquote power um I don't know if that kind of tracks with this conversation where it's like I I don't know I do think there is some power in writing a hit song about some dude that fucked you over like whether it's I still love you or fuck you I feel like getting that cash like getting to that place is inherently kind of powerful and feminist it rules yeah absolutely I I do think that it is um it would be unhelpful to use the Bechdel test and on you know three and a half minute pop songs. Oh no, I wasn't suggesting even either. ten minute pop songs. But I was but, just using no, yeah. an analogy. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I I do think the idea of um, I mean the Bechdel test was always meant to be um a joke, basically, right? Um, like this is a bare minimum, but I I think yeah no I yeah I agree. I think women can talk about whatever they want. <laughs> yeah, I think it is like a bit. It's like a, it's a tongue in cheek almost like, is there just even another woman? But I think the thing that brings in the Taylor of this all is like Taylor's living a very self lifetime, which I think shows up in her chart in that she's very like quadrant one with this one, two, three spread. It's a very her show. She's a sad son first house. And I think her this being a her show is her point of view but also it's a like a lot of the times tied to a one-to-one relationship so I do think that there's 
I don't know. I maybe I'm like connecting some dots here. It doesn't, it, she doesn't seem, at least to me, maybe like a lot of the music represents this like girl trio power posse thing. And correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure there's many songs that I just am not aware of that do. Cause I think a lot of her work to me does represent that solo self or that partnered sort of self thing. So it does feel like a little more um, zeroed in. Does that make any sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she, she has a few like 22 and and different songs that are kind of more group based, but on the whole, she is full on singer songwriter. This is my story. I'm storytelling. Mm -hmm. Do we think Taylor Swift is vulnerable? Yes. About herself. Yeah. And I think she's vulnerable in her songwriting. I think so, but I don't think she tells us a lot about her. And I think that's something I think she does, but I think that there's again with this like Mars Scorpio rising. Um, I, I think it's a very, like it's to me, this is very indicative of also her, like the Sagittariusness of it, that I think she's very honest in some ways that kind of tricks you into thinking that she's telling you a lot about herself, but mm. I don't think she is. Which and artist would you say do? I can't well, that's think what of I'm a like, single me- like person that gives you everything. I don't think everything, but I think there's, I think it, I'm saying this too, I think as like a, a superpower or something that I think is like a, yeah. where she's able to connect with what we're feeling so deeply that she's saying it. It seems as if she's saying it, but she's just kind of like the, She's giving us breadcrumbs and they feel like a meal. Yeah. Or like, or it's just, (laughs) it's like the emotion is vulnerable and raw, but we're not getting much. um, Yeah. I don't know. I just, I guess it's that it's this like mysterious. I don't, I still don't feel like I know her. That's interesting because I feel like I do, (laughs) but that might just be my psycho fan behavior. Um, I feel like it's, well, in seriousness, like I, do feel this weird closeness with her. I feel like I have a version of her in my brain that I've connected to through her confessional songwriting. And yeah, she is so good at giving us specificity, at giving us little details, at sharing raw emotion, but she also keeps it really close to the chest when it comes to the crucial things. People have been speculating for years whether she got secret married to Joe Alwyn. Um, people have been speculating for years if she was ever um, bisexual or gay. Um, and these are things that she seems to be very open about, but you hear these rumors and, and you don't know what to think. And there's a huge part of the fandom who think that they know one thing about her. And then there's another section of of Swift fans who are like, no, I think she's like this. And they're, they'd be they'd be both so certain about it. So I think that absolutely speaks to this idea of someone who can seem like they're sharing so much of themselves with you uh, when in fact they're keeping like the crucial cards close to the chest. Well, and- it's like, you know yourself through Taylor Swift. You don't know Taylor. And that's oh, yeah. what people love. Like she's able to connect that uh, thing, which I think is like, insane it's cool but like it's that so yeah cool. we're like wow but yeah pluto so 12th song... house shit yeah though. it's the what is she's pluto 12th house <laughs> yeah well i'm just like it i just love that her so her rising scorpio she has this pluto in scorpio in the 12th house and then this mars right at like right just past her rising which we mentioned before so she's sandwiched between the modern and 
tradition, like newer ruler of Scorpio. So it's just a lot of like, it's just an intensity sandwich, right? Like (laughs) right when you're meeting them and people don't like intensity or they can take that intensity. It's almost like trans, like transferable, like what we're hearing, like how Swifties can kind of feel like they know her or like feel really transformed because Pluto is transformative, but there's also that 12th house of like subconscious or unknowing. So, and I'm sorry that she just got so much Saturn. Like, I know what you're saying, Julia, of like this, do we know her? Cause it, everything is almost, she's too smart. Like everything is very, it's like a very like intelligent spread of no move is for nothing. Right. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like this whim, even though she's a Sag, which is hilarious like with all this very like intense and and more meticulous Capricorn scorpionic sort of energy we'll get to the cancer moon yes (laughs) soon because that's that is a curveball in the mix but it also makes sense too with the emotionalness so we've got the intensity sandwich with the with Scorpio and stuff like that but then you said with the Sag that's weird why I mean, I think Sages are intense, but on a more like frivolous, who cares sort of way where Scorpio mm-hmm. cares a lot and it's not, there's a lot of intention where Sag can kind of stumble onto intention. So I think that that's like also like a beautiful dance there. It's, it's the Sag is the sign right after Scorpio. So all the signs kind of build on each other in terms of what oh. traits they share, what traits they might not. And then followed by that Sag is her fucking cluster in Capricorn, including her Mercury, which is her communicator, her mental, her, you know, that's where we're literally maybe finding even our voice and Capricorn Mercury is, you know, it's not making mistakes. You know, it's, it has that, it does have that perfectionism, that goal oriented energy. So there's a loose sun, maybe Taylor, if you're listening, there is encouragement to have a wild Sag moments, right. And be a little uh, like less monitored or less, um, you know, maybe aware, but it makes sense that she has this like hyper awareness. (laughs) Here we go. Her speak now era was nutty. She was really (laughs) letting it all fly. I would love to be, know what was happening in the planets in, um, you know, 2010, 2010. Was that 2010? Well, I think Saturn was coming right. Is was probably in Scorpio then because I was going to say that's like yeah yeah oh I need a speak now is better than revenge speak now is dear John speak now is I mean the song speak now is literally about interrupt is like having a fantasy about ruining someone's Someone's marriage (laughs) um that's like um, a song that I was like this is insane that you wrote this (laughs) Speak, and it's the name of the album It's it's bananas but it's also so wonderful and it's so this like rom-com um like idea but it's like the one again like the again it's this like naughty one i don't know what else yeah. to say i'm sorry to use that word it's with naughty. It, but it is like She's i'm bad. the bad girl that broke up the wedding i'm like julia roberts in my best friend's wedding i'm the one coming to steal your man coming to ruin like coming to ruin your day and this boring yeah. bitch who cares sorry <laughs> yeah and so there's speak now and then there's also mean in which she is basically uh calling out this like local nashville critic who basically criticized her singing voice and in it she says something like um like you're going to listen to this in a small town where you're going to die alone is like sort of the vibe. Oh, of one of the very best Taylor Swift songs. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. Lisa, I got to have you on for that one. Just, just straight up calls him pathetic. Yeah. Pathetic. Yeah. Well, if P- anyone pathetic. who's like had a close relationship with an addict, 
it's that exact thing where you're like, you just say stuff to be mean. You don't even fucking, you don't think about the people around you. You don't think about that you're going to be alone because you keep saying mean shit. Whoa. Crazy. Anyway, I, I'll have Lisa thing- on for a full mean episode. <laughs> so wait, I just want to confirm. Speak Now is the most Sag album. Scorpio. Scorpio. No, or sad, most free, because- a little more freewheeling, a little more oh, yeah, un- that's unedited. What- yeah, I would say Speak Now is the last album we got before she became more hyper aware of being a role model, watching what she says. Okay. Um, after Speak Now is Red, and then 1989 is sort of her peak of being like clean and and free, right. precise. I mean, that album is impeccable, and there's like no. It's like a. I think of it as like a modern house, clean lines, no mess. <laughs> um, so for that reason, weirdly enough, it's one of my least favorite albums. I mean, I don't think she's ever put out a bad album, but um, yeah, oh, I like that's... it when she gets a little rough and tumble. Yes. My favorite thing about her natal chart, which I feel like is hard to come by in a celebrity chart, is that there's nothing at the top, really. And so the midheaven and the the ninth house, 10th and 11th house don't have anything in them. It's something that people ask about all the time is like, oh, I have all this empty stuff. Does that mean I'll never be because this is like career and public image stuff. And so I just think it's such a nice reminder that like you can be the most like not the most, but one of the most famous people, one of the most successful people rich, talented, a career, everything, and not have anything up there. Um, the closest thing to her midheaven, which we sometimes look at for like career aptitude is Chiron, which is like very bringing out emotion in yourself to bring out emotion in other people. Um, healing, kind of wounded, wounded healer. healer. Yeah. It's like all that kind of stuff. So that to me, I think is like the most interesting thing. Um, you still are always going to have a closest planet, even if there's nothing in the house. And um, I don't know, it does seem to fit very nicely. She does really have like a chart. I don't want to say she, I like this example that Lisa's giving to you because she does have a lot of things where you would go like, oh my gosh, is something awful going to happen? She's got stuff in the eighth house. She's got stuff in the 12th, all the ones that you Google about that are scary, but are actually, again, we're really, we are tapping into subconscious energy. We're tapping into collective energy, collective pain, collective transformation, subconscious transformation, these like power structure kinds of things. So I think she is a really interesting example of like how those things that are kind of, um, again, kind of spooky, kind of spiky, those things. She got fully internationally canceled in 2016. I don't know if you guys were tuned into this, but it was the worst time of my life. <laughs> I was not. <laughs> Tell the story. Wait, what? Remind, remind. Wait, truly? I Wait, I mean, I, we must, I this, we must know, but why did she yeah. get canceled? No, I'm happy to summarize it. So um, in 2014, she released in 1989. She's at the top of her game. She sells more records than like anyone ever almost. Um, then she's, you know, out there with her squ- her supermodel squad. Um, she's having special guests throughout the tour through 2015. And then 2016, um, Kanye West uh, releases a song called uh, Famous. And there's a line mm-hmm. 
that goes, I bet me and Taylor Swift might still have sex. I made that bitch famous. And then he claims that Taylor Swift approved the line, that he called her, he got her approval, she loves the line. Taylor's camp says, that's not what happened. We hate this. <laughs> um, fuck you, Kanye, basically. She wins the Grammy uh, for best record, um, best album uh, for 1989. She mentions him and says, people are going to try to take credit for your fame, but don't let them. And then he releases the famous music video in which he recreates her naked body, obviously without her consent. And it's like her and a bunch of other famous people in bed together. Like, oh, like what an art student thing of like, oh, get it. They're all in bed together. And it's like, all right. I mean, I like Kanye as a musician, but I obviously have my qualms. This was a real, this is a really gross thing to do, recreate her naked body. Then, you know, people are uh, you know, the Swifties hate it or whatever. Kanye fans like don't even care. Um, but then because she's sticking to the story that she didn't approve this, um, Kim Kardashian one day in July, I'll never forget the day, mm. leaks on Snapchat an illegally recorded phone call between Kanye West and Taylor Swift in which it appears that she is giving approval for these lyrics in the song. Um, it's about, it's a couple minutes, I think maybe, maybe a minute. Um, that is a highly edited Snapchat leak of an illegally recorded phone call. Everyone turns on her. Um, Kim Kardashian tweets something like, um, I can't believe uh, how many people can be, how many people can be snakes or something like that. And with the snake emoji, people flood Taylor Swift's all of her social media with snake emojis. Everyone's calling her a snake. Um, Taylor Swift is over party trends internationally. Do you know how many people, she has this line in her documentary called Miss Americana where she says, do you know how many people have to be tweeting that they hate you for that to trend internationally? It was <laughs> overwhelming. She disappears. From, she puts out a statement. She says, I'd very much like to be removed from this narrative, one that I never asked to be a part of since 2012 when he like stole her award on the yeah. stage. Right. They had patched that up, by the way, the M MTV VMA thing. They had like publicly patched that up. And then this put them to less than zero. And she disappeared. Like from like she didn't she wasn't seen mm -hmm. in public for like a year. Um people hated her. I got into screaming fights with people about her and then also the trump election was happening and she hadn't yet said anything political one way or the other and so people were like she voted for trump and i was like no i promise she didn't <laughs> but like like this was deeply traumatizing for her there's a few songs on folklore that touch on this um hoax peace um all sorts of stuff um and and it was Honestly, it was hard. I, I mean, I, I make this a joke, but it was hard for me for everyone to assume that she was this liar, where in, in fact, she was being played by these people. Um, since then, in 2020, the full phone call leaked and it is very clearly a man who is having a manic episode rambling on the phone to Taylor Swift and her trying to be polite. And on the phone, she makes it clear that she can't give public approval unless she gets the full lyrics and gets to hear the end of the song. And she also says like, you don't have to get my approval for this. You're an artist, put out whatever you want, but don't put it out and say that I said it's okay. You know, so sorry, that's the TED talk about <laughs> well, it. It's, Not quite it's, no, it's, I remember, I also it, remember it, it, all yes, this. It, it jogs, <laughs> it totally jogs yes. partway through, jog. but um, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> yeah, realize I'm a Gemini. all of the, 
all the updates and everything. So that's good to know. Well, yeah, the full the full phone call is very eye opening. I always it's, knew it's true. And it is the thing. And again, I'm glad for this re-release. And I think it, we could look at that uh, chart too. Um, two things. One, I think, again, is this just this thing of like, I think that there is something about her, which it's fascinating to me how she can be this again at this one time, but we just did our Sag episode where we're talking about Sagittarius energy, essentially being like two things at once versus Gemini on the opposite side, getting this name of being back and forth between these things. Whereas I think Sagittarius is kind of consistently two things at the same time, which is equally kind of baffling and upsetting to people. But I think there is this thing of it being, again, like these, this thing that we do want to, to protect and help, but also are like, ew, don't, don't do that or something. And it is these things of her saying, like of her standing up for herself, of her, of her saying, no, this isn't what happened and doing these things of where I think other people might have, um, I don't know. Yeah. Not, not stood up for themselves in the way that she has in these other ways that I think makes us again, kind of uncomfortable because she is a woman and because she is asserting power in this way that we maybe feel like she isn't entitled to, or she shouldn't because she's already successful and what right does she have to do these things and, and all of that. But at the same time, it's like, no, that's that we should all have those abilities or we should all feel empowered to do those things. And it's, it's not, um, even though it might make us uncomfortable to see someone do that, it doesn't mean that, that we shouldn't also um, want that for ourselves. Well, I'm obsessed with you talking about Sagittarius having being both things at once. I just had this amazing conversation with my friend Lily, who is essentially like a genius. And she was saying how a lot of the tension and the atten attention for Taylor Swift is her capacity to be both. She is both um, maligned and celebrated. She is both um, bullied and the bully. She is both um, incredibly successful and someone who has had to scrabble against an industry that didn't take her seriously. Um, she was she was ostracized in high school, but and and felt really bad and felt like she come came from this underdog position at the same time as growing up with intense financial privilege. Um, she she is heartbroken and also powerful. So she's she's feeling vulnerable with these men, but in fact, operating the space of intense power in her industry and as, as one of the most famous people in the universe. Um, she's private and she's public. It's, it's all these things. I'm losing my mind about you describing Sagittarius like that. I was gonna say too, that these quickly, because this is kind of technical, but also these second and eighth houses for her where she has all of these clusters are intercepted, which means that basically, Ellie, if you're looking at the, the natal chart, which is a circle cut into like pies, each each sign has a little section where we go there. And sometimes a pie piece will encompass a whole sign. So it's not touching either side. So it's kind of in between uh, a thing It like skips over them. And what that means, uh, like, symbolically speaking, is that those energies for people sometimes feel hard to access, that you have no direct pathway to them. You have to get them from a roundabout way. You have to use like another part of your chart there. Think of it as like a Jack and Jill bathroom or something that doesn't have its own, uh, like, well, you have to go, you know, you to, have to go through it. Yes. You can't go over it. You can't go under it. You gotta yes. go through it. Um, so for her having all of this 
second house, eighth house, her moon is there with it's conjunct Jupiter and conjunct Chiron, which is all this like, again, powerful kind of collective pain energy. And then all of this Capricorn stuff, which would be like traditional uh, systemic uh, structural power. And, and uh, a lot, she has a lot of stuff there. So I think it is that thing, but having that be her feeling of not being able to access those things easy, I think totally makes sense with that duality of that being two things at once and also again our feelings of being like well you have it our perception of it has nothing to do with how that was felt or experienced or or anything there so to us it may seem so obvious in the ways that she's powerful or that she's um sexy or whatever like whatever whatever mm -hmm. that may be there are things that are very Some people obvious would argue to us, no <laughs> but also would say like but she clearly doesn't necessarily feel that way all the time those things i don't mean about mm. sexy necessarily ne I don't mean that period, but I mean, just <laughs> all of those things that we've just talked about of her, yeah. of it being like her perception of herself is just as important and just as formative. I don't yeah. know if anyone's ever made this connection. It must have, but 1989 being the year of the snake as anyone has this been discussed in the Taylor it, Swift universe. It, it was it definitely talked about um, when the rap era was happening and she, she took back the snake. Right. Um, so the album that she released after her worldwide cancellation was Reputation. And I think it's one of her best albums. Um, a lot of people would call it her flop, but um, <laughs> I loved it. But she she basically reclaimed the snake imagery and used it for the album, for promotion, for the tour. It was everywhere. Mm. It's, it's interesting thinking about that time as her big cancellation, maybe as like not a Swifty, but as someone aware of pop culture. I didn't think of her like if she just checked herself out. So it's almost like, yeah, like it is a cancellation, but in a way where it, it's almost like you get canceled if you keep talking more. So it's like it's that very like Saturnian, yeah. like I'm just going to see myself out while you guys forget about that. It's like removing yourself from the equation. Yeah, I don't you know, I think it's a much um, thornier conversation to talk about cancellation technically, but cancellation is mutable it is ch ever changing it is not a cut and dry thing if someone gets quote unquote canceled there right. are certain markers that indicate whether that how real that is mm -hmm. so I would say someone losing a job someone losing an opportunity someone um um facing consequences for actions. well being bullied to you know just like for something that's like a, a, a this whole thing is just like oh right like Kim did play that like this is also just petty and weird and like why and also like yay just being so fucking Gemini can't let shit go <laughs> like just like keeping it going this thing that's like we're still doing the I made that bitch famous. <laughs> I made that bitch famous thing it's cool. so weird that Kim did that after now she's like trying to be a lawyer it's like I know. Well, that well, wasn't that's that's not a very shining moment for Kim. Like, huh? But yeah. that's I was gonna say that just now oh, makes she's me proud think of it. Of Still, I, she's I, proud of it. I believe oh. I, I have my, you know, what we'll not get into it. Cause that's also, again, all of these things, it does feel very thorny and, and, uh, there's a lot of, we're playing on a lot of planes. This is a real 5d chessboard situation of, of ways <laughs> that we're gonna, we're moving one thing and, you know, doing another thing, but even thinking about that, um, the, power dynamic at play in that of saying like the power of siding with your husband and defending your man versus Taylor being 
on her own too is just another mm-hmm. one of that like oh of course we culturally got behind that motion the because dutiful, that is the honor. dutiful wife yes and that's honorable and that's not someone trying to undermine this genius man uh you know what i mean as opposed to that which again not not necessarily I'm glad that there's a full conversation out because that makes much more sense and is like, oh, yeah, of course, uh, you know, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the amount of people who will call Kanye a genius but won't call Taylor a genius, even though they have really comparable like um, accomplishments musically, career wise, et cetera. It's just, uh, you know, I can't even get crack into that. But back to the cancellation thing, like did Taylor Swift lose money? Maybe. Um, but did she lose her career tra- trajectory and was she able to bounce back? Absolutely. So it was temporary. And, you know, lots, there's a lot of boom and bust cycles in terms of how the public perceives Taylor Swift. And this, that was the biggest bust because right. 1989 was I, the biggest boom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we, I think we are get not to say in this manner, I think it would have been much nicer if she had been able to say, I'm going to take a moment away and I'm going to, you know, do that sort of thing too. But I do think that this, um, the way she is reemerging now will ultimately um, behoove her in a way. And will I think uh, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Like, I don't know. It's because it's not necessarily on her terms. I think she is rising to the occasion in a way that people might not have expected. And so I think that it's, it's like um, supportive of her. Like she is, she's going to get to show up in a way where people can't underestimate her because it wasn't her plan. It wasn't her doing. It was a thing like she's having to respond to things that are, because she's not necessarily like a spontaneous person. Again, when we're talking about this Sag energy, as much as she's mutable, that's like really all that's there. So she's not spontaneous. She's very, that's like a complaint when everyone says she's doing the same response at an award show, all of these kinds of things, like where it's like, we don't, we are not seeing her respond uh, to stimuli often. And I think that these are chances now where she is having to respond in, in a way that I think, again, people are like, yes, I like this. The most spontaneous thing she's ever done was um, spend several months uh, creating folklore and drop it as a surprise album. Um, but that's six months of planning. <laughs> and it's still career. <laughs> Do you know my experience with that album? No. During COVID, we were bartending when it came out and it was still where like there was outdoor dining so people weren't really inside. And I had to train this um I won't say someone I had to train and he was like uh let's listen to this new Taylor Swift album and I was like okay I had I we didn't know what it was going to be like at all and um you know it's just inside so people are only hearing it really when they're coming into the bathroom you know they're not like enjoying their meal to it or whatever yeah. Uh, a few people came in and they were like, that girl bartender's making that boy bartender listen to the Taylor, Swift, which was the exact opposite of what had happened. And um, we're not allowed <laughs> to listen to our own music inside anymore because of that. No. Yeah. I mean, it's not bar music. It's not party music. Sure. We didn't know. And it was only like, I think we only got through like half of it before we were like, I think we're going to get in trouble for this. Yeah. But yeah. Um. I listened to it. I was in Wisconsin. I was having my own mental breakdown (laughs) and it came out while I was like having, I was like sent to the, I sent myself 
to like a quiet Wisconsin escape. And she announced this. And in 24 hours, we had this album. And I was just like, she did this for me. (laughs) (laughs) I was still a little manic, but um, came down down from that. She didn't do it for me, but it was helpful. (laughs) And she did do it for you. Like she does everything Um, for us, for one, for her. It's all for the fans. Yes, it's not. (laughs) Sure, she wasn't saying this is for Ellie McIlvain, unless she was, in which case we will be vindicated and and uh i don't want to be the the <laughs> let us know be, yeah i'm like i don't want to spread false rumors about her she's well, in control when i was another- manic manic i was like taylor Swift has been talking to me my whole life and i've just now become enlightened and i know that that's true and so that was how my family knew that i needed help <laughs> <laughs> one of the one of the things though i do, will say again about her natal chart and it's evident not only in your mania but in um, <laughs> in like I've never seen one of her concerts, but I've watched the Netflix thing, and like people do wear a snake boa constrictor fake thing. They like dress up carnival. They dress up like Taylor. They like it. Really isn't like oh I'm like going to this concert and I'm wearing my cutest like tee and blue jean. Or some of them are, but yeah, they're playing up that more country Taylor vibe more than like oh, I'm just out for the evening it's more like festivaly it's an um, event and it's a group experience she has the north node in aquarius and aquarius is definitely the sign of groups um hopes and dreams it's like the collective um sometimes the underdog uh which i think she she sometimes presents herself as as well yeah absolutely um, i think that north node is like go towards that stuff go towards the um yeah, I think it totally makes sense to create that collective, like surrounding your personality, surrounding things you have done. She's still the center of it. It's very interesting. I have an astrology thing, believe it or not, to, to bring up. Wow. Uh, spoiler alert, astrology thing for the astrology pod. But her only retrograde planet is Jupiter. Did you guys notice that in her for her like for her planets? That's very rare typically for most people like a decent amount of retrograde planets for outer planets but i noticed the only retrograde one she had was jupiter which isn't that the sign of cancer which is close to her moon i'm just wondering if anyone had any thoughts on this jupiter retrograde what what does that mean at all (laughs) she has eight planets intercepted though all of those and the the capricorn one and i think it makes perfect sense because it is no offense her worst enemy is herself it's that yes. where it's like, as soon as Whoa. she gets out of her own way and she stops being focused on these things, like whatever, where it's like, that's what people don't like when she gets, when she's focused on her own healing, her own growth, her own, all of that. That's Whoa. when she's at her best. Jupiter's exalted also in, in cancer and it is conjunct the moon in cancer in its home play, all of these things there that are like exactly where they're supposed to be. They're just the, it's the perception uh, there, you know? Okay. Um, have you listened to the song, The Archer? Yes. Okay. So The Archer is kind of her sad song or her like song about herself. And when you said her worst enemy is herself, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, second only to Kimye. <laughs> but, of course. Um, so, so she, <laughs> goes, she does have that. Again, Pluto in the 12th house is liter- would be, if you read that in a book, it would probably be like enemies who want to destroy you. So she's also not wrong. That's the thing. Like, it's not really, it's not wrong 
destruction not- from an outside force, one's secrets from behind your back or something like that. That would be like a very textbook reading one to of, one. of Pluto. In and that's literally house. what happened. Yes. So it's like, again, they're not <laughs> those, they're not those things, but I think it's that understanding of how do you use them to fortify yourself and grow yourself instead of being focused on revenge, so to speak. Okay. So in the archer, she goes, um, this is the second verse or the third verse. Um, she goes dark side. I search for your dark side, but what if I'm all right, 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 right here. And I cut off my nose just to spite my face. And then I hate my reflection for years and years. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, and then, um, she goes, I've been the archer. I've been the prey that duality, and then screaming, who could ever leave me, darling? But who could stay? Once again, Whoa. that yeah. duality of being like, and then and then there's this outro that's just like, they see right through me. They see right through me. I see right through me. Oh, yeah. I love that song. Yes. But also it's- cancer. I'm sorry. Water. Water is manipulative as fuck too. That can't cancer. Everyone thinks cancer is all sweet. But when cancer is the plan and it doesn't go their way that's when the crab pinchers can come out and that's her moon and that's the Jupiter too. So like, it can be like, but I made this perfect life and we did every, like all the steps were going in the right direction. And same with Scorpio too. Like it's that water read my mind sort of thing. You should have known mm. that it was going well or that it was going wrong. And maybe it is what we said before, what you were saying before of she can kind of come back through song and get more pointed. Now it's interesting thinking of her Virgo midheaven too, right? Cause that is that kind of precise language of what she wants to say, being that highest point in that career sense versus all this kind of more reserved, emotional, wild and out, like, but more internal sort of thing, having this Virgo Mercury ruled midheaven being like, and now here's the clarifying <laughs> receipts on actually what I was feeling and how this went down, even though if I didn't right. process it in real time. Yeah. That was a lot, but yeah, I just lo- had, I it, love had that. it go there. <laughs> um, she also has this line in the Archer um, that I love. Uh, she goes, I never grew up. It's getting so old. Um, I just think that is so brilliant. And this idea of someone feeling like they're in stasis and that they're repeating themselves and being hyper aware of that. I don't know. I don't know if there's mm-hmm. anything in the chart for that, but. Well, she does have a fixed, uh, she has that Scorpio Mars, fixed Mars. And I think that that is a very um, like immovable, it's a persistent placement, um, but I think it is also a, um, I will not give up on this thing, whether um, or not I am exhausted by it, whether or not it is fortifying me or not. Mars is our, our like life force as well too, and kind of what we're pulled to. And I think that that could also speak to being pulled to um, okay, things that might not always, we're willing to endure a lot because we have an idea of what the the payoff of it is. It's again, it's that like, I'm, I'm sticking with this because I know this is gonna turn into something, but when it doesn't, I think that can be very demoralizing because you have stuck with it to a point of exhaustion where you're like, God, I like, I was willing to destroy myself in order to- All to- the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put me together yeah. again because <laughs> all of my enemies started out friends. Yeah. Or, of course, it, I mean, it's obsessive. Scorpio is, I mean, that's the like. I feel like that's sorry. such Scorpio stuff. My ex is a Scorpio and he's just like obsessed with who's his enemy. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, we're, 
well it's, it's not like, like we're in the, medieval times it's the mulching <laughs> it's the processing it's the decomposing of something too is is scorpio energy it's that like mud underneath and i think that that sometimes we feel like that is a forever rich soil to go to something that is that you can constant that you know so intimately and that you've experienced so deeply you can kind of again continue to pick at it and have growth come from it but sometimes it's just dead Mm-hmm. there's stuff like it's gone stop going back to it oh my god Dude. i feel like i could talk about this forever absolutely the, the capricornus just competitive make it work that scorpio like from my cold dead hands the cancer like emotional attachment i mean you know it's written oh in the stars god. but let, i mean i want to talk about this Aquarius venus for a second though because venus is what we're going to talk about when we're you know, love is in many parts in our chart, but Venus obviously gets the main rap with relationships. And Aquarius Venus is a little more cerebral where that Cancer Moon is a little more in the feels. The Aqua Venus is a little more like heady. It's not as maybe as, it's it's a little more like words of affirmation versus physical touch, if you know what I mean. Like on a, on a very like stereotypical level. I'm just curious if we have any Aqua Venus thoughts because that was, that's always the thing in her chart that I'm always like, oh, like that's kind of the, the curveball to me. I don't know. That tracks to me. <laughs> I have an air Venus too. I just think that, um, gosh, I, I really love to sing and talk and I, not in a way where I'm like releasing any sort of, um, like uh, album or anything, but <laughs> podcast, but, yeah. um, yeah, I just, I think that maybe this ties back into like her singing about relationships and stuff, but it's like, to me, it almost feels like if I don't talk to someone, if something happens and I don't get to talk to someone, I feel dampered. Like I feel very, Mm. like I, I, I feel not silenced because I know I can, but even if like I'm having a bad time at the grocery store or something like I was checking out a Trader Joe's the other day and I got like a, a couple messages from my boss and I looked at the cashier cause he ad- asked me about bags or something. And I was like, I'm so sorry. Like I, I can't focus cause I'm freaking out that my boss needs me. I do need bags. I'm sorry. It's taking me this a second to like get to you, but it's like, you really don't, he really doesn't need to know that my boss is texting me or that that gives me anxiety. It's just that I can't not say it. Like if I don't, I hold on to it or it comes out in weird ways. So I think maybe that tracks with like her singing about relationships and stuff where it's not like, Almost I like want a compulsion. you to them. I just need someone to hear this. Yeah. I don't know. I yeah. think it's also her, that's a very independent and it's not a, uh, I don't, it's, I don't think of that as a necessarily like a soft, warm Venus. Like you said, it's air and it's uh, a little bit, like, I don't know, colder and drier, not in a bad way, but in just a Flemic way, but also thinking about her, again, this like duality thing of it being like someone who thinks a lot about relationships and has a lot of intellectual understanding, but also doesn't want to be kind of dampered and held down by one or, or, or lose their individuality through a relationship. And I think that goes back to this, like, well, why are you so obsessed with this relationship and you can't stay in a relationship? You don't do the, you don't do the things that people do to um, maintain like the self-destruction that some people do to maintain a relationship. And that's like a thing that makes her again, difficult to kind of grasp, but also that totally tracks with that 
uh, she, Aquarius Venus. She is very like, if you say goodbye, then I'm gone. You know, we are never getting back together. Is is this very like? There are elements in that song of being wishy washy, like they were starting, stopping and starting and stopping and starting. But it's really decisive. In fact, it's her saying, "No question, we are never." ever getting back together and she's like that in a lot of songs there's quite a few songs in 1989 um and and definitely speak now as well that are like when you burn me you're burnt and and I'm gone and I'm not going to apologize for that there's this amazing song on evermore called closure that's about something going awry with this person and she's cut them out and she's like, yes, I got your letter. Yes, I'm doing better. I don't need your closure, something like that. And it's like, she's just like, I don't need this. This is for you. And I'm already done within myself. I've decided this. Okay, this is so Aquarius Venus only because, and I mean this in the most loving read way, people think Leo is the snob diva of the Zodiac and Aquarius's polarity is right there. That it's almost like it's smarter than your bullshit. Like, it's like, I don't need your gush and mush because I've decided I'm at, even if she's cancer moon, not, or Scorpio, not yeah. over it. It's almost, there's like power in declaring again, like, the duality, mm-hmm. right? Well, um, fake, like, it, fake, fake it till you make it almost right. If I'll it's be, like manifesting, I'll be <laughs> I almost do. Yeah. I'll be mad about it. I'll still feel about it, but I won't act on it and I won't um like compromise my value myself my whatever like that kind of thing which Venus's values that's like the big keyword so we also think about money in that way of also being kind of like independently uh owning your thing like all of that 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 totally tracks I think with wanting to own her masters and all of that sort of Mm. thing too of like wanting to be in charge and be uh in control of her career, in control of her creative expression, making sure that her value is being displayed in the way that she sees fit and not in some way that someone else wants. Um, there are a lot of songs that that display that almost vulnerability, especially in her earlier catalog. Um, I mentioned, uh, I almost do. Uh, she's saying like, I'm, you know, I bet you're up late and I almost wanted to call you and I almost do, but then I don't is the thing and so she wants she's not a hundred percent but she's a hundred percent that she's not going to take that action and then in her later catalog there's this song called this is me trying on folklore which is basically her taking that step and being vulnerable and trying to salvage something that got off the rails which is rare for her can i I love it can i ask um a personal question before we finish absolutely oh yes are there are there any similarities in my chart? <laughs> well, let's pull it up. We I don't have think your... we're that similar as people, but well, I you are. Like I said, you you are a Gemini. She is a Sag, so there is. I do think that uh, Gemini and Sag are the most compatible polarity, or the most. Uh, I don't know if compatible is necessarily the right word, but they are the most alike. If oh. that makes sense, like I think they're the easiest to understand why they're like opposites. They seem the most energetically. Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, chaotic. <laughs> no, not chaotic. You can just... drag me. My my birth chart's a little silly. No, I don't <laughs> think chaotic. I just think they like make sense. If you saw a Gemini and Sag like talking, you wouldn't be like, why are those two getting along? You're not like, you're like, yeah, I get it. Whereas someone says like Pisces and Virgo, they're like, what could those two have in common? And it's like actually a lot. 
all of them have a lot in common, but I think Sagittarius yeah. and Gemini is the easiest to go like, oh yeah, those two crazy people. Yeah, that absolutely tracks that they're that they get each other. <laughs> <laughs> two peas in a pod, those two. I mean, I love the two water moon seconds. bond. Your you yes. your Pisces moon and Taylor with the, there's like a lot of like elemental things where I feel like you're I don't even know if I would say similar, but like almost compatible. Like you yeah. do have these earthy Mercuries that are um, you know, a little more facts are fa- like, you know, cut through the bull. Like you're here, you're, you're amazing Taylor Swift representative. Like I, obviously you're, you've set, you set it up top, like his historic, this is like, you're a resource, like you, like, you know, your shit and you're, sp- and you're speaking truth to power. So, and I feel like that's like very Taylor, like I'm saying what I'm saying. And I think that's very earthy. You have these early degree air Venuses. So we definitely both have I a mean, sense of justice on some level <laughs> like, I also love that her midheaven too I've mentioned before with it Virgo is your Virgo rising so there's something about like her being seen is also like this reciprocal to your like self place too like there's her Ooh. I don't know like to tailoring ta- pun tailoring it to your chart in particular um yeah oh, there's like have, a, it feels compatible you both have very little fire in your chart but the from knowing you and from what I know of Taylor, I feel like it still makes itself known in a way for her. It's her son (laughs) for you. It's your, your Mars and Chiron. So it, it maybe drives you a little bit more to go and do things. And maybe for her, it's more an identity thing, but um, it's the least element for both of you. Um, She, however, has, less air than you do but, but both marsy mars too yes you both have very strong marses your mars is an aries in its home sign where it's very comfortable yeah. that's a very strong mars hers is scorpio also in a in a ruled sign i think something interesting is that her north node is at the same degree as your saturn which i think is interesting of you measuring your um, kind of like, I don't want to say you're measuring your accomplishments, but having her help keep time for you. And yeah. I know speaking to you personally about Taylor Swift and what she's meant to you, that you have always felt as if she has kind of been a marker of time or a marker of experience and, and learning. And Saturn is where we, uh, you are in your Saturn return right now as well. Or, I mean, it's, it's not exact yet, but it's on its if it, way. If it's not right now, it feels like it's happening. It's, you know, it's in the sign. So you're, you're in the, in, you're in the zone. It'll be there for a little while, but, um, also Saturn is us like learning lessons. It's also how we create structure in our lives. And it's also literally rules time. So I think that absolutely makes sense that she would be someone who helps you find structure, who helps you mark time in a bunch of different ways. And it's in your sixth house too, which is very like every day it's our physical body. It's our health. It's our, all of these like routines and things like that too. So I think that, um, having her be someone that guides a routine for you, feels very aligned as well. Oh my gosh. I'm going to cry. I do it. I love making people cry. (laughs) you know this isn't isn't unique to me but so I'm 29 she's 32 um uh and like it just has always felt like she's been experiencing the things and and has had the time just enough time to process them and put out art about them so that they release when I'm Uh, going through them currently and like so that guidance has I mean it's part of the reason why she's my number one why I love 
and connect to her music, it feels like she's ripping out pages from my own diary. And you have Sagittarius in your fourth house that kind I had, of anchoring had your chart it. too, of that being, um, you know, feeling very familiar to you, feeling very home. You don't have placements there necessarily, but it doesn't mean that it isn't a fundamental part of kind of who you are, that that isn't an energy that would, um, call to you or feel comfortable to you. And so it makes sense that you engage with it in all of those ways. She is my home. <laughs> so, so you can now tell Mommy. people Taylor, Taylor is your IC. She's your yeah. Welly. She's your She's, bottom of the sky. My yeah. bottom of the sky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if anyone else can say that, but we can say that about you. So thank hear you that. so much. You're so welcome. Oh, man. Yeah. God, this Thanks. was so fun. Oh, I love it. Well, I mean, nothing. I mean, good things are I think good things are on the way for for our queen and uh and you both for both and you queens. as well yeah yeah thanks yeah i um you know it's interesting i feel like if anyone didn't believe in astro astrology they should just look at taylor swift's chart it just feels like so on the nose for who this person is and how she's behaved absolutely yeah she's like a like a studyable specimen of, of <laughs> astrology and right? uh, thank you for your service taylor we appreciate <laughs> Um, yes. maybe if we can't really get to know you, we can at least study you and feel like we know you as well. Uh, <laughs> well, we're doing it. I mean, we're studying, we're, we're trying, we're, we're trying to get to know her. I feel like all the time, which is true Scorpio rising behavior is we'll, we'll never get stick of that puzzle. Mm. We'll always be trying to solve it. And that's tinker tinker. There it is. I mean, can't beat it. Yeah. Um, Ellie, thank you so much for for talking with us about Taylor and oh and my god this was such a treat for me uh and I can't wait for my listeners get to get to hear all this from like true pros thank do you, you guys. feel like do you feel like it um yeah I mean like do you feel like we got her yeah oh, oh my god it's so satisfied it all tracks and also like you know there's so many points in this conversation where I was like oh, yeah I mean it, it helps put a finer <laughs> point on the way like I struggle with trying to contain the way that I think about her because she operates on so many levels, um, both as a public figure, as an artist, as a private individual, as a celebrity. And so all of these things sort of touch on the multifaceted prism that is Taylor Swift. Yeah. Well, you've certainly, certainly given me a lot to think about. And uh, I'm sure our listeners agree. And I'm sure your listeners agree. And yeah, listen to what's your favorite Taylor Swift song? Where can people find you? We'll obviously have links and everything everywhere but I feel where like podcasts are found. And I'm at L-E-M-C-E on all socials. And then the podcast is at W-Y-F underscore T-S-S on Instagram and at W-Y-F T-S-S on Twitter. No underscore. Obviously and my listeners, I need you to listen to What's Your Sign. These <laughs> girls are the fucking best. I love them. A, they're so funny. They're brilliant. I mean, you've heard it all here. Uh, what are where, where can they find you? Oh, we're at uh, What's Your Sign. Are we at What's Your Sign pod? I've never said. What's, <laughs> like I've never, you've never said, said it? <laughs> We and, have our like outro that we recorded and then that's it. And then that's I never it. say it. I never we'll say it out loud. It. No. At what's your sign podcast on Instagram. At what's why our sign underscore pod on Twitter because they need to sync up on having the same number of characters allowed on handles. Mm -hmm. And uh wherever you get your podcast, Podbean, 
Twitcher. Twitcher? <laughs> What's it called? Stitcher? Stitcher, Stitcher Spotify. What's the most yeah. obscure podcast host? Podbean. 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 We're going to be the first sponsored pod. I'm Podbean. I'm, I'm gunning for it. We're the Joe Rogan of Podbean. They're going to buy us. We're Podbean exclusive. Podbean exclusive. $150 million or yes. however many. <laughs> Boom. How many monopoly dollars will be getting? Pod, Podbean, get at us. We can be bought. And thank oh, you for. I can be bought. <laughs> thank and you Taylor for letting Swift us into your. the value of a dollar. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for letting us into your Taylor Swift universe. We hope we we did the Swifties proud. Please don't cancel us. We 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 we, we astro theorize out of love, and we love Ellie, and we love Taylor Swift, and we love all of you. Thank very, you for bringing much. me into the stars. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. We'll Bye. talk to you guys next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to What's Your Sign. Please rate us five stars and subscribe on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you use. If you like what you heard, please support us on Patreon. You can also find us online on Instagram at What's Your Sign Podcast or on Twitter at What's YR Sign underscore pod. You can also like our fan page on Facebook and join our friendship group. Questions, comments, concerns, or to book a commission chart reading, you can email us at what's your sign podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. What's your Bye. Sign? What's your sign?